This is Castle Stories, a podcast from Newcastle Castle about the rich history of the North East. Hello and welcome to this episode of Castle Stories. I'm your host, David Silk. And in this week's episode, we're going to be looking at another myth about castles and the medieval period generally, which we commonly find in modern films and other media about the Middle Ages. What colour do you associate with the Middle Ages? Now, I'd be willing to guess that if your main experience of the medieval is through modern films, that colour will probably be brown. Mud will be everywhere, almost all the buildings are mud huts, and everyone is dressed in colourless sack-like clothing. Where it isn't brown, it's the bare grey of the stone walls of forbidding castles. Now, not only is this a myth, it's a surprisingly recent one that seems to have come about as people thought that the Technicolor vision of the Middle Ages, which you saw in films of the 50s and 60s, was too unrealistic. Ironically, those classic Hollywood films were probably much closer to the reality than we might realise. Medieval people absolutely loved colour, and the real Middle Ages would probably have seemed pretty garish to our eyes. Let's start with castles. Now, It's natural that many people believe that castles were fairly drab-looking places. Their bare stone walls give them a chilly sense of discomfort, as well as a feeling of solidity and strength. But as we mentioned in last week's episode, these were not only fortresses designed to defend the inhabitants from their enemies. They were also high-status buildings where the richest and most privileged members of society lived. And they were colourful! From the outside, there's evidence that some castles were covered with a kind of lime wash to help keep the rain out, and this could be white, yellow, or even pink. Now, we have no evidence that Newcastle Castle was ever treated this way, but when new, the local sandstone is the colour of honey when the sunlight shines onto it. It's only the grime of centuries that's weathered most of it to a dark, blackish grey. Take a look at the sections of stonework that were restored in the 1970s to get an idea of what the castle would originally have looked like. On the inside too, castles were plastered and painted, sometimes with simple decorative designs and sometimes with elaborate pictures depicting scenes from daily life, events from well-known legends or stories, or with religious symbolism. Decorative designs could include plant-like scroll work, repeated geometric shapes, or even lines imitating the stonework that was being hidden by the plaster. Red and white seem to have been the most popular colour scheme for these kinds of decorative elements, and it's probable that the decorative stone elements, like the carvings on or above some of the arches in the castle keep, were also painted to make them stand out more dramatically. Wall paintings were common in both churches and castles. The Agricola Tower in Chester Castle has fine surviving wall paintings depicting scenes from the Bible, so religious scenes were not confined just to churches. Some of these scenes were not only painted, but also decorated with gold leaf and copper resin, which would have glittered and flashed under the candlelight that once illuminated these spaces. The other thing that most castles are missing now is their furniture, fixtures and fittings. A visit to Dover Castle, with its reproductions of 12th century furniture, will give you a good idea of what these would have looked like. And as with the walls of the castles, it's gaudy. Wooden furniture was painted in red, blue, yellow, green and gold, with delicate paintings of flowers or scrollwork similar to those found on the walls. Beds and chairs were covered with cushions and heavy fabrics, wools and silks often dyed brightly and embroidered. Wall hangings and tapestries hung against the walls, helping both to brighten the space as well as keeping the heat in, and medieval texts talk of carpets as well as flowers strewn on the floor or kept in vases to spread sweet smells around the interior of the castle. Wealthy merchants 
in towns like Newcastle, imitated this aristocratic luxury when they could, and with their wattle and daub houses, which are the mud huts so often seen in films, generally whitewashed and painted as well, with colourful painted signs advertising their wares or services. The people, too, were less drab than you'd be led to believe from the movies. Clothes were usually made of wool, which takes dye very well, and were dyed with a range of natural dyes like weld, madder and woad, which can give a surprisingly bright array of yellows, reds, oranges and blues. Leather belts and shoes were also dyed and painted, while clothes in two colours or of striped fabric came into fashion in the 1300s. Embroidery decorated hoods, cuffs and the neck openings of garments, with England being particularly famous both for producing fine wool cloth and skilful embroidery. In fact, wool was Newcastle's main export throughout the Middle Ages, until the coal trade really took off. Knights and aristocrats were even more colourful still. On the battlefield, with their faces concealed by their helmets, knights were identified by their heraldry, individual combinations of coloured fields and symbols that belonged to a particular knight or lord. Banners bearing these symbols were carried with them, and they were painted onto shields, embroidered onto cloth surcoats worn over their armour, and even borne on caparisons, coats that were draped over their horses. Personal items like tents, purses, belts, cups, and so on were also decorated with these heraldic symbols. When the king mustered his army at Newcastle, as he did often during the 1300s, it must have been an absolute riot of colour as the retinues of the various lords trooped into the castle grounds with their banners unfurled and their coats of arms proudly displayed. Of course, such opulence wasn't for everyone, the law actually banned peasants and other lowly people from wearing clothing that was too brightly coloured or extravagant. After all, the local earl didn't want to be outshone by a mere peasant. But even the clothing of peasants was handmade with skill and fitted to the wearer, and would be dyed a variety of more muted and earthy shades of green and blue, nary a dung-covered sack in sight. One thing that films do get partly right, though, is the lighting. The medieval world was very much darker than our own. Street lighting was non-existent, and the insides of buildings lit almost entirely by candles, lanterns, or rushlights, not by flaming torches. These staples of the movies, which are always being thrown onto thatched roofs by cackling soldiers, are another thing that I'm afraid there's just no evidence for. So that just goes to show, you can't trust everything you see on a movie screen. Castle Stories is a Newcastle Castle production. This week's host was David Silk. You can find out more about Castle Stories and about Newcastle Castle at newcastlecastle.co.uk.